Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Rodeo Time, the podcast. We are in Fort Benning, Georgia. We're with the U.S. Army, and we're visiting today the Army Marksmanship Unit, and that is where we've got how many how many people are in AMU? Uh, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's right around a hundred, maybe one hundred and one. And the Army Marksmanship Unit is is something Dwight. D. Eisenhower, is it his middle initial D? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yes. He put it together in 1956 to compete on the world stage, uh, put marksmen on the world stage, compete against Russia at the time, Soviet Union. Correct. And et cetera. And uh, we did well, but also do some uh, some training. The, the AMU helps train and instruct, so... Anyhow, we've got one of their instructors here. Um, what would your credentials be, sir? My credentials? Uh, the Army would call me Sergeant First Class Joel Daniel Turner Jr., but you can call me Joel. Sergeant First Class Joel Daniel, Daniel Jr. Turner Jr. Yep. Okay. Because my dad was real creative with the name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Just give him my name. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put a JR at the end of it. <laughs> Come on, Dad. <laughs> um, so we're going to hear his story, get to hear um, his, uh, his, his origin story, also get to hear some of the challenges that, that he overcame in the Army and uh, how he landed in AMU. So if you want to hear more about how to uh, join the Army, how to look into the various jobs, 150 careers you can, you can have in the Army, just click the, li- click the links below in the description and find out more. Also, now on to the podcast. So I'm only not going to wear my headphones because I've got this awesome helmet. What do you <laughs> think? What do you think of my helmet? Uh, what I, I my main question is that the same shirt from yesterday. I was hoping no one would notice. <laughs> Donnie, we good on all the cameras? Okay. Yeah, I was hoping no, but this morning, like I did the sniff test, I severely <laughs> underpacked for this trip. Uh, the first morning, like I went on my run, like no shorts. I was running down the highway in pants. Oh, okay. So you did have some clothing on. That's right. Good. Yeah, oh, no, okay. I was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was wearing just jeans, jogging. <laughs> People were honking at me. Yeah. They were like, that guy's either forgot his shorts, late for something, or maybe on something. <laughs> <laughs> but I got my miles in. Good, good, good. Miles. Yeah. Huh. Yes. You still, you, you, how long have you been in the Army? I've been in for just over 16 years. 16 years. But, and you guys retire at 20 years. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. You, you can stay longer depending, but I plan on doing the 20 and moving on to the next chapter. What's the next chapter? I don't know yet. Okay. So You're I, gonna I, move have, on to I have been looking. I have options. I just I have buyer's remorse typically, so I kind of – it's a big deal, and I don't want to, like, just pick the wrong thing right off the bat. So I got three and a half years to kind of explore my options. Gotcha. Um, before we go any further, what are the notches on your cap? <laughs> Is this going to get posted? 
Yes. Oh, okay. It's just a company that makes them. It's a notch for uh, glasses uh, to accommodate the glasses when you wear them. But oh. I don't wear my hat low enough to do that. Like for for me to use them, I'd have to have it down here. And when I'm shooting a rifle and a shotgun, my head naturally kind of goes down. I can't see anything, so I'll leave it. I'll leave it up a little bit. That's but, handy. Yeah. I'll, I just oh. like them because they're a little more fitted. I got you. So. Yes, sir. They don't look like the big trucker hat, like the old ones. I thought maybe it was kind of, you know, like you had accomplished something, some, and <laughs> no. everybody, I was no. like, man, all these guys got notches in their caps. I like, figured, I'm, I'm a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you'd think they were like bottle openers, you know, after a good stage crack went open. It crossed my mind. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, um, so tell me about your origin story. What drew you to the army 16 what and a half years ago? Uh, so I think, uh, a lot of the people are products of, uh, uh, G watt. So I was in uh, ninth grade. They turned on the TV, yeah, saw the sure. twin towers and, uh, you know, I, I, I never liked bullies. I never liked, you know, people taking advantage of people and that kind of struck me. And I always kind of wanted to join the army and, uh, that definitely solidified it. And, uh, when I graduated, I uh, worked with my dad for about a year doing foundation work, and I finally I was just in the ditch cleaning it out, and I was like, I- I'm done with this. I'm gonna, this is way too hard. I'm gonna go do something easier, <laughs> <laughs> which I was wrong there. But uh, yeah, so uh, I didn't want to do just anything. Like I've always wanted to do something kind of cool. Uh, I was originally gonna try to do SF. Uh, they changed the uh, age requirements at the time. And my uh, my cousin that got me to join was in SF as well, seventh group, and uh, and I was kind of like at that point, I was like, if I can't do that, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, well, let me tell you about like Ranger Battalion, and he kind of he's like, you want to blow stuff up, and I'm like, uh, yeah, shoot stuff. And I was like, yeah, sounds uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, that's definitely uh, the route you should take, and uh, looked into it. Uh, I went to the recruiting office with him, and uh, got the option forty contract, and which is essentially it's a contract saying that if you graduate basic training and at the time complete airborne school then you have the ability to go and at the time what was called a regimental, a regimental indoctrination program which is now RASP and uh, that's another selection process in itself uh, past that and then uh, spent my next uh, four years there that was my first four-year enlistment that was kind of part of the contract so I uh, did did everything I wanted to do there, and I was kind so, of on the fence of getting out. So. so you, let me kind of glossed over it. Like, so you got out of um, basic, and then you went into airborne school. Yeah, that was kind of the pipeline for that contract at the time. But isn't that like super hard? Airborne school. You want the honest answer? <laughs> I mean, the hardest part is like keeping your eyes open when you jump out of the plane. Like oh, for me, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of ironic, but it was part of like I had to do that, you know, to to get there. Uh, but I'm not a big heights kind of guy. Gotcha. I kept my eyes open, like the important part, you know, handing off the static <laughs> line and then stepping out of the plane. But you know, close my eyes, count to four, and I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> so imagine that's probably what I would do. <laughs> yeah. So at what point in becoming a ranger did it get really, really hard training? <sighs> Man, I. Uh, I mean, the, the selection process at the time was, it was definitely hard. Uh, I would assume it's probably only harder now. Uh, uh, or maybe, maybe I went the last hard class. We'll go with that. But, uh, you think it's only harder now? I thought usually it was like, 
harder back back in the yeah, yeah back yeah. whenever yeah that's I what I was trying to say yeah <laughs> but uh I mean the the hardest point of that part I remember specifically like because I, I was like quitting wasn't an option uh when I yes, was sir. in high school I tried up wrestling and a bunch of other things and uh hey, if it, if you need to take the call yeah, yeah let I me mean, get that real quick that's my mom <laughs> it's the president yeah. <laughs> no so uh back to my story before I got really interrupted by a telemarketer uh so the hardest part of that for me, I remember, uh, I wasn't going to quit. Right. So I remember we were doing a boot run, like three mile boot run. And, and it wasn't like, this was like the first thing. This was like a week or two into it, getting woke up and lack of food and constantly getting smoked. And I remember we were getting to the top of the hill by what's, uh, the subway over there. And I remember like starting to like get tunnel vision and I'm like, uh Oh, I was like, well, I'm not going to quit. So I guess I'll just pass out right here. And as soon as we got to that top of that hill, like as I was starting to get tunnel vision, we stopped. And then we walked down the hill and kind of did some combative stuff. But I was like, that was like how close I was to like not making it. Is that what <laughs> happens right before you pass out? <laughs> I you suppose. Get, I didn't get, quite get there, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There may have been another layer. You just hadn't learned it yet. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, were you watching people quit all around you? Uh, not at the time, but definitely people up until that point, you know, I mean, this is a fairly high attrition, right? Yes, sir. But, uh, you know, and I wasn't like a physical stud by any means and still not, if you can't tell, but, uh, it's, it's one of those things. If you just want it hard enough, then, then you'll figure it out. There we go. Yes, sir. So, um, you're a ranger, then what? <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, about 2009, 10, uh, I kind of, I, I, had, so I'd been, I started off in Charlie company cause people are going to ask. Uh, and I went over to HHC, did sniper section and recce. And I kind of did some of the things that I had kind of wanted to do. And those were my goals. And after that, I didn't really, it was, that's where it stopped. Right. And, uh, and I wanted to do something different. I was overseas and somebody had sent me an email, forwarded an email. And, uh, the uh, late, as they called him, Gunny Barreras was the sergeant major over here at the time. They had sent out an email requesting people to come over to AMU, and I didn't even know what that was at the time. Uh, and the requirement was a Purple Heart. I was like, well, I don't have that. And I'm like, well, just hit them up anyways. Well, I did, and sure enough, I got stateside and sat down with uh, Mr. Ward, who was sergeant first class ward at the time, and uh, service rifle. And the ITG instructor training group wasn't a thing at the time, but they were trying to make it a thing. So I went to interview 45 minutes later, uh, Sergeant Major Barreras called me up and said, you're good to go. I'm like, oh, wow. So they got me a letter of acceptance and I came over here in September, 2010. And that's where I've been since and plan on staying, <laughs> hopefully. So what was it about, what, what made them uh, recognize you? And, and want to bring, you know, because there's only about 100 people in AMU. So what is it that, that uh, they were like, we need Turner. He's overseas right now. I think at the need. time I had a heartbeat. Okay. So, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, honestly, I, I, I don't truly know the real answer. Uh, I Somebody mean, it, it didn't you. hurt that, like, when I had to interview, there's some guys that, you know, uh, Sergeant Major Barrera spent his entire, most of his entire career other than the Marine Corps at regiment. Uh, the guy, uh, Steinbach at the time that was in there with me had a scroll. So, and I say a scroll that you get that from, uh, being over at regiment. And I think that 
that didn't hurt. <laughs> uh, and again, they weren't looking for a competitive shooter. They were looking for an instructor and I had a background in long range and stuff like that. So that was just kind of a, got me, uh, got my foot in the door. Was, um, so your, your goal was to be a ranger. Um, did you, did you go overseas immediately? Uh, after, so, after that happened? Yeah. So probably six months of being over there, I went on my first deployment to Iraq. And then while I was with them, I did, uh, three more tours to Afghanistan. And what all did you, what all did you do in Iraq? What was your, uh, so because like I said, I was like six months there, I was a brand new private and, uh, anybody listening that's from regiment will know how funny this is, but my first deployment was on uh, CSAR, which was combat search and rescue. And I kind of started that ever since Mogadishu. So what we would do is uh, it, honestly nothing cool. And honestly, it's, it's good that I didn't have to do my job, but what you would do is uh, there would be like five or six of us uh, during a whole deployment uh, stint. And we would uh, fly around with the uh, air force PJs and uh and just stage at fobs that were close to where they were doing missions just in case something happened uh we were on standby to uh, basically pull security for them yeah sir. so that was my first deployment it wasn't no, and, wasn't and anything you, fancy <laughs> and you weren't a ranger at this time no i was oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah i was as soon as you as soon as you graduate the the selection process you get assigned like i said i was at seco like you're a ranger then and that's you know, I don't care anymore about it, but you know, it used to be like argument about, oh, you're not a real ranger if you weren't at regiments away life. But again, I I, I don't care about that anymore. Yes, <laughs> that's that's old me. <laughs> but so you went on multiple deployments, though. Correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I mean, there were only like uh, on average about three month deployments. Uh, longest ones like four. Uh, they're short, but the op tempo is pretty high. I remember one deployment like almost every other night we were going out. So you'd have one platoon go out and then you were on like a QRF quick reaction force and you would just be on standby. And then the next night you would go out and, and most of the times it was at night. So you were always on a reverse schedule. So you're sleeping in the daytime and up at night. Um, super hot during the day, hard to sleep or was it, or what time of year were you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I never was over there where there were, when there were snow. So yes, sir. <laughs> everybody talks about this. I've never saw snow over there. So just worked out that way. But no, I mean, I mean, sleeping in like big, like all hooches, but they're, they're pretty much sealed up from the light. So yes, it's, it's not too bad. You get used to it. I guess that would have been what year was that? Uh, so my first appointment was 2007 into 2008. And then, you know, you're on a you deploy for three to four months and then you're on a training cycle slash block leave for like the next seven. So they had quite a bit set up over there. Correct. Yeah. Course. Yeah. I, 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 fortunately I, my first deployment was long enough to where I wasn't going over there, like sleeping in a, in a actual tent, you know, yes, eating MREs. So yes, I was sir. fortunate in that aspect. So were you, when you, when you came over to AMU, were, were you done with, Deployments, or did you deploy again after that? Uh, that's actually a great question. Uh, so back when I when I got here, they had already been uh, deploying overseas to like Kabul and and training their uh, their Afghan army. And essentially, they, I would consider it kind of like their Fort Benning, mm -hmm. you know. So like when they get their brand new guys coming in there, we would do the uh, marksmanship portion. So we'd have a translator there, and a lot of 
a lot of times it was kind of hard to get stuff through translation, but that's kind of what we did on that deployment. On would that have been your your last? That was my last, correct? Yes, that was sir. in 2011. So gotcha, a long time ago. <laughs> so so you were training through AMU. You were training some of the Afghan army. Correct. There. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> Dang. What it what um was that maybe more, one of the more challenging you know I know I was probably pretty challenging yesterday to train but <laughs> I guess just no the, comment yeah, no comment <laughs> no you did great <laughs> the communication bar- you know barrier there I imagine would probably make that probably the most difficult to train or were they pretty receptive uh, I would say the most of them were pretty receptive yes yeah, sir so yeah that's always pretty intriguing to 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 even think about or having to train like somebody else's army. Yeah, that doesn't speak English. <laughs> right. right. Well, that doesn't speak English, but but also, I mean, because a lot of them, they're not necessarily volunteers like over here, right? I mean, so wouldn't you be dealing with a whole nother attitude? Like they almost would rather not be there? Possibly. I mean, you might even get that sometimes <laughs> in the service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe they volunteered, but <laughs> they did. They were voluntold. <laughs> yeah, um, that was something we were talking. I was talking about with uh, Allie and Sam just about um, <clears throat> people coming into the army for various reasons. But you know, I, I was listening to somebody talk about one of the reasons why we are one of the you know greatest forces to be reckoned with around the world is that we are just completely volunteer. Correct. You know, and, and people want to be like yourself, you know, for you quitting wasn't an option where your counterpart in another country who was instructed, like, you're going to go do this extremely hard training. And they're like, well, I wanted to be a bank teller, you know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> their attitude's going to be a little bit different in that extremely hard training. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why you don't see quite as many people quitting as other countries. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? We're the best, and that's why. Yeah, America. America. <laughs> that's my <laughs> thought. America. So, how has your your job in AMU? How, how have you been an instructor the whole time? Uh, yeah. So, like my first year and a half here, uh, I kind of like trained with service rifle, but we were also doing uh, MTTs, which are mobile marksmanship training events uh and again like i said that was kind of like what they hired me for primarily was to come over and kind of help ease the burden off of them so they could continue competing and training and uh and i did that for about a year and a half Uh, i was one of the first people at itg and uh you know i'd I'd done that for a solid year and uh i'd shot a match and uh horner at the time which if you look up three gun he's at the top uh, it pulled me off to the side, uh, because of that match, I guess he liked my attitude or whatever. And, uh, asked if I wanted to join the team and I'm like, I was kind of dumbfounded. I'm like, and I thought about it and he kind of thought that I didn't want to, cause there was a pause. I'm like, no, 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 I want to for sure. Cause I don't want to be at the AMU and not compete. And, uh, got my foot in the door over there. And, uh, I was just like, like I had zero experience in three gun. Uh, but also I've learned so much by just trying to stay humble and knowing that I don't know everything. And uh, I just soaked in everything from all the great shooters at the time that were there. And uh, they got me to where I'm at now. Uh. 
So when you say you want to compete, you're recruited into AMU to train, but they've also got um, people in AMU that are um, competitors at different events around the country, around the world. And um, Three Gun is one of those competitions that they participate in. So can you explain what Three Gun is? Yeah, just simplified version of Three Gun is uh, it's uh, some form of a carbine, a shotgun, and a pistol. And uh, it just depends. Like uh, with Three Gun, there's no like governing body. So every match you go to might be a little different, but the, uh, the outline's the same. So you'll have anywhere between nine to 12 stages uh, over a two to three day period. And uh, in those courses of fire, uh, you can engage targets from five feet away out to six or 700 yards away. Uh, and you might shoot a stage with only rifle, you might shoot a stage with only pistol or shotgun, or you might shoot a stage with all three of them. And it's all, it's all time-based. Uh, and the end goal is to hit all of the targets uh, the fastest. So do you feel like once you, how long were you in AMU before you went over to Three Gun and started competing? About a, about a year and a half. year and a half. How much did, having been deployed and, and been on operations, help you compete in three-gun? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot there. Uh, I'll, I'll just be frank with you. Like, I thought I was a fairly just good shooter just amongst my peers back then, uh, and I got here and I was very humbled. Really? So – I learned more here than I did ever anywhere really? else, 100%. And honestly, they, I, I do know for a fact that like regiments got a structured marksmanship program now. Back then, it was very basic, knowing yes, what I know now. Uh, but I'd like to think that maybe our units helped with that over the years too. But I've, I've definitely learned more here than I've learned anywhere else. Has the marksmanship training improved I can I can only assume that like having been overseas for twenty years, you know, that you would have people coming back saying like, Hey, we need to train on this specifically, we need to train less on this specifically and more over here. Is that something that helped it improve or is it just something that's always improving no I, matter what? I would say so. I mean, I, I think it it took way too long for people to realize that there needs to be more emphasis on marksmanship training. Yes, sir. You know, it's literally just been like the check the block thing a couple of times a year. And uh, then you're going over and you and your buddy's lives depend on, you know, your skills with that weapon system. Yes, sir. So. Yeah. I, I, and I guess it would just be human nature to, to not just, to just try to check the box at some point, you know. Yeah, I mean, being, again, it's not, yeah, you know, eat, even if you're infantry, it's not your sole job to just shoot your gun, right? Well, multiple and if things. You're, if you're not being tested, if you're not at war, like who's, you know, you wouldn't even know that you're not that good until you actually correct. go do so, I assume. Yeah, at least. correct. Yeah, so there's there's been, I've just seen a lot of leaps and bounds since I've been in for, like, just trying to push and put more focus on marksmanship. Do you still, I assume you also train, even though you're competing in these competitions with three gun, are you mm -hmm. also still training? Yeah, correct. I mean, every every competitive shooter here is a slotted An instructor. instructor, first shooter, second. Uh, even though their their primary job would be to compete, uh, every team trains somebody. Uh, like our team specifically, we'll get uh, 
requests from smaller operational units uh, just for the nature. I mean, you kind of saw yesterday, you know, real fast pace. Again, we're not teaching people how to clear rooms or do anything like that, but there's some key things that they notice that we're really proficient at that they want to get better at, like drawing your pistol fast, making accurate, rapid, you know, engagement shots with handgun, rifle, uh, movement in and out of position, stuff like that. So who exactly are you training uh, in those uh, scenarios? Just about every, you know, special operations unit you could probably think of. We've, we've trained quite a bit of them. And that's all. Has that always been the role of AMU? One of the roles of AMU is to training one hundred percent. Yeah, increasing lethality since we began. Yes, sir. So, um, I said it on the last one. Eisenhower started AMU in '56. Correct. And so it's always been something to showcase, and then also to to give that information back to, um, like you said, various different. <clears throat> so, um, having been with the AMU for now 12 years, 11 years. Oh, no, it's came here in 2000. Yeah, 12. <laughs> so, what what other jobs were, were of interest to you that you, you know, if you weren't with AMU or maybe even, you know, a ranger, what, what else does the Army offer that, that would have caught your attention? Uh, not to sound like a robot, but there's like 150 jobs in the Army, only yes, 10 sir. combat MOSs. But again, for me personally, since that's what you're asking, uh, I had full intentions of getting out. Really? Uh, yeah, because I, I mean, for me personally, I didn't want to go to a different unit at the time. Uh, and then obviously I, I looked more into this unit and I was like, it's definitely something. I, I like to challenge myself and whatever I do, no matter what it is, I, I try to be the best. I'm not necessarily always the best at everything I do, but I, that's my goal. Yes, and sir. this place has definitely gave me that opportunity. Yes, sir. So, so out of the, the 10 combat MOS, 140 other ones, what would you have chosen? <laughs> I don't, you, have, you haven't even thought I, about I it. I did. This is what I did. Oh, I'm doing AMU what I choose. There wasn't another option. Okay. So, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> you, you know, if this didn't work out, I, there's no telling I'd be greeting people at Walmart. Yeah. Hello. Would you like a buggy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I was talking to the girls about this, but I feel like having been in the army and, and especially 16 and a half years with all the leaders and mentors you might have had who who is somebody that that really kind of inspired you in in what you're doing that's put me on the spot there uh i don't know man i've i've had good ones all throughout uh i would say a good one uh from regiment was uh mike wagner when i was over at recce he just he is when i grew up it was a it was different over there and it was very kind of like do what I say. I don't, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Because I said so. And he was kind of more of a lenient, like, Hey, do this and explain why yes, more of sir. a servant leader. And that's where I kind of got the first taste of that style. And I got over here and it's, it was pretty much been that way the my entire duration here. So, yes, sir. Uh, man, I, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been around different places quite a bit and I don't know anybody that sticks out per se, but I've, I've just been fortunate enough here where pretty much everybody's been in charge has been good. So talking about leadership style like that, 
what is it about? You said his name was Mike. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Wagner. What would he have been? What do I call him? Oh, back then, uh, staff sergeant at the time. Staff sergeant I, 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 Wagner. I don't know. He might have retired by now. I haven't <laughs> talked to him in a while. Uh, what um, What was it about his leadership style? I mean, is that something you see a lot of? Or I mean, I, I just I can I can only assume that like people can get promoted for various reasons, whether they are or they aren't, you know, a good leader like Staff Sergeant Wagner. Yeah, I mean it. It unfortunately it happens uh, quite often, uh, but uh, man, <laughs> I, I, about him like I like I said he, he's not the only one, but like I grew up like you know I I was you know E five at the time uh, when I met him, but like my whole like first three years it's kind of like yelling at you and like just do it and like. I remember as a private, you just got smoked for absolutely no reason just because you're new. Uh, and, again, I, it's neither here nor there, but I don't personally believe that that's the way to make anybody better at anything, you know. Right. Uh, so when I met him, like, it was kind of like a work together, you know, and he would even, like, bounce off ideas. It wasn't just like, this is my idea and we're doing it. So he kind of you – know, we were more of a team, small team type mentality. Um, what, um, <clears throat> are there any sort of stories as far as like AMU that like stand out that just really, I mean, haven't been part of it for 11 years, like, and like, like you said, you were kind of s- skeptical in the beginning, like, what is it about it that made you feel like, all right, this is for me and this is where I want to be? Because doing something for a decade, you got to be passionate about it. Uh, absolutely. And my nature is, and anybody listens to this that knows me, my nature is to like, I'll do something for a little bit and then I move on to something else. Because I just, I do something like that good enough and I move on to, I just like to learn new things. Here, uh, especially uh, the sport of three gun, I never shoot the same stage twice, typically, unless it's like a reshoot because something malfunctioned. Uh, so like for me, it's, it's always changing. Like the fundamentals are still the same, but the stages are never the same. So like, it never gets old, if that makes sense, at least for me. Uh, and then like all the opportunities that I've been given being here, like the people I've been able to train that like probably only a handful of people in the world have had the ability to say that they've done. I mean, that's just from here. I mean, it's pretty cool. Pretty, it's the best job in the army. (laughs) And you probably also got to travel quite a bit too. Oh yeah, yeah. Where all have you been outside of Iraq and Afghanistan? Uh, so I've been to just about every state in the United States. Uh, uh, the, probably ten years ago, we went to London to compete in their uh, like their inner service style match, mm-hmm. and uh, we got second to the Omanis, but they conveniently win it every year. So. We got second to the people that win it every year, and it was a weird courses of fire. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I digress. But yeah, so I went to London. Uh, that's probably the only place, uh, Oconus. But I've been to just about every state, which is cool. Have you trained um, a lot of other countries? Uh, instructor. Y- yeah, uh, I mean, uh, 
outside of like the uh, yeah, Britain being one of them. They, they like when we used to have that relationship. Uh, after that, they've they've come out here and uh, trained with us for like a week. Were they? I'm just trying to think. Like, did were there were there any of them that like kind of surprised you as far as their capabilities compared to the U.S.? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean they. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna go down that road, but yeah, like they they definitely shot really well. Yeah, they know. I imagine there's. <clears throat> we were talking about some of the different, you know, whether it's France or the number of different people that have stayed just in this holiday in here on yeah. on base that come over to train. And I was thinking like, there's probably really good shooters all over the world. Yeah, you know, but you guys volunteered to be in this position, you know, so feel like that changes your attitude as you're training so that would be a pretty good recipe to spit out some uh, some of the best in the world yeah you know when you're a cowboy and you work on like if you go get a job there's two different ways really you can work for the ranch and be you know like a we call it a camper you know a ranch may have different camps around that uh, someone's in charge of you know if you're at west camp or north camp and you're you're in charge of a set of cows well when you're an employee on that ranch you're gonna get minimal pay you know sure thousand twelve hundred fifteen hundred a month depending on the ranch but you don't spend a dime you know they give you a beef they give you um, a truck to drive insurance etc and then there's there's day workers that you know will contract labor that they'll get paid a day wage but essentially like you said, it's the difference I would say though, is that <clears throat> once you get on the ranch, there's not a lot of increase in pay. It sounds like once you're in the army though, you can start <laughs> climbing pretty quick once you pass a certain level. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. I mean, they always have, uh, you know, reenlistment bonuses and different incentives. I mean, you can go to, there's plenty of special units out there that pay extra just to, to be in that unit on top of your normal pay. Um, I was talking to the girls earlier and they were talking about the Sam who's on the, the, the shotgun side of things with mm-hmm. AMU. She was, she's fresh out of, which I mean, you know, her story better than I do fresh out of basic training, but they were, they were both talking about just the mindset to get through training as far as realizing that, you know, you pretty much just do what they say. There's some, um, things they'll do that they're setting you up to fail, but they just want to watch you and Correct. experience that just so you can work through, you know, a trial. Um, but it, you know, it sounded like it kind of molded their mindset a certain way and set them up for success. Having been in the army now for 16 and a half years, did you see how maybe they were trying to transform your mindset and then how, how has it, how was it transformed and how has it continued to transform after this long or has it? I mean, that, that was the first step in my career where, like I told you before, I was in high school and I'd like tried things out and I'd quit just cause like, I don't like it. Uh, that was my first step of like, all right, I, I can't quit cause I want to oh, get, yeah. you know, I, I'm starting at a, I want to get to C, right. You know, I want to get to battalions. I, this is, I ain't even like worried about quitting anything here. And again, like it goes back to what I was talking about, you know, how your parents raised you. I, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. So listening to somebody else tell me what to do wasn't like a big deal. Right. <laughs> and I knew they knew more than I did. So, um, yeah. 
I, um, so you were quitting a lot of things like what? Uh, I did, uh, wrestling. Like I said, I did cross country. Uh, I'm still not like a great runner, but I can definitely run better than I did back then. And yeah, I'd run like a half mile. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, Oh, this is not for me. Right. <laughs> so yeah, just, if it got a little hard, I'd, but again, it goes back my heart wasn't in it. I was just doing it just to do something. Cause people were playing sports in school. So I right. felt obligated to do that. So, yeah, I, I, we were talking about this and you know, there's, there's all kinds of, a lot of parents or whatever would say quitting in the middle of the season is one thing, you know, be, especially if it's a team sport, because you know, you've, you've, you've agreed to help your team through something and then you're leaving a team. But I would say between seasons, I don't know. I, I looking back, I just always had bareback riding. For instance, I started riding bareback horses okay. and, um, love bull riding, love saddle bronc riding. But there was a point where I, I enjoyed bareback riding in the beginning, but um, I didn't enjoy like the buckers, like the sure enough, like man killers. Yeah. You know, bull riding and bronc riding, I appreciated that challenge. Bareback riding, I wasn't about it. And so <laughs> it took me a long time though to realize like, hey, it's okay to quit something that you know you're not passionate about. Sure. But I could see how, for instance, with you, with like cross country, you know, Especially it's one man deal. Like and you're just running. It's, right. There's nothing fun about running ever. Even people that are good at running probably would admit they don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've actually recently came around like I, I run a lot now and it's hard to admit to myself. I enjoyed having ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always feel good after the fact, but Right. But with you but I'm a civilian. With you, it's different. So you were the guy that quit cross country, but then signed up to like run for the rest of your life. Yeah, and, and so be how did that work every out? year on my ability to run? <laughs> yeah, how, how did that work? Uh, you just do it, and and again, in basic, you run a lot. Uh, airborne, you definitely run a lot. It's called the airborne shuffle. It's like a painful run. Like you, you literally shuffle on your feet. So honestly, your shins hurt afterwards. Uh, and then obviously, when I went through rip, you ran even more. Uh, and it just, you know, I did more running then, I guess it set me up for success. And I, I, I kind of realized, cause if you don't run a lot you know, like you're you get that chest pain, you can't really breathe like mm -hmm. very well, like just cause you don't ever do it. Like it kind of scares you a little bit to like push harder and you realize like, okay, maybe I won't die. And you just keep pushing. You realize, oh, okay, I just get through that. Again, right. it, it, running sounds terrible when I say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, like like I was saying about about the quitting part, like I think there's some things in life that you're not passionate about it. It's okay to to just stop doing that thing and transition to something that you are passionate about, especially early in life. But um, but yeah, that signing on that dotted line after you you know join the army, there's not much quitting. You know, you're you're pretty much there for four years. Absolutely. Is that like a daunting feeling like after you after you do, even even if you do have a goal yeah of, yeah it's kind of a, it's a big jump because you're like you're gonna sign up for four years you're like well what if i don't like it you right. know so then you just kind of have to deal with it and some people have their ways of getting around that uh again like i said quitting wasn't an option so i just stuck it up to the end and uh, i remember uh, my first four-year enlistment i was counting down the days till i got out uh and then like i said that i found out about this place and it kind of like 
rekindled the fire, if mm-hmm. you will, and it hasn't gone out since. So it's a pretty good place to work, I suppose. So <clears throat> I guess I missed that part of your story. You were counting the days to get out when you came over to AMU? No, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, when I was uh, over at regiment. Okay. Because uh, I had that four-year that four obligation, uh, and I had some very good times over there. I had some bad times, but, again, that was a long time ago. Uh, and I just remember I was like, I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm, I'm done. Like I said, I like to do new things pretty regularly. And I'd been over there about that amount of time and, uh, and I just wanted a, a new challenge. So, And so that was when you realized they had plenty more challenges that, yeah. that, that the, that the army offered. Yeah. Cause I told myself, like I said at the very beginning when I went to the recruiting office that like, I'm not going to do anything else. Like this is all I want to do. And I did that, and I was like, "Oh, well, now what?" Right. And I was like, "There's not a, there's no way there's a cooler job than this." And again, even that had its bad days. And uh, came here, and I mean, it's like I said, it's, I I can't say it enough. This is like the best job in the army. <laughs> That's what uh, Sam said. She said, "You really just got to ask the right questions whenever you're in the army." Yeah. And kind of like they're they're they may not hold your hand through all the different options. Like you, you really just need to, to ask the right questions, ask the right people. But I guess they're, they recruited you to come over here. So maybe they did kind of hold your hand and bring you over to AMU in a way. (laughs) I'm grateful for that. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. Well, what we normally do is, um, we kind of wrap it up with life advice. And what I did with, uh, with the girls was, life advice to just the world, whether, you know, if you're talking to anybody and then life advice for like a young recruit who is either thinking about going to the army or just joined. Uh, I can give you, honestly, didn't think about this, but I'll just go with my gut feeling. I can give you something for both parties. Uh, whatever you do, like the only option is to be your best at it, Mm -hmm. uh, and don't quit. And I'm telling you, I've got, I've benefited the most from the most difficult times in my career where I, I mean, I like in, I hate to bring this up. I hate to even say the R word, but like Ranger school, like when I was like cold and wet and I was just like almost borderline crying, I wanted to quit. And I was like, next hardball road I come across, I'm quitting. Right. I walked across it and I was like, I'll quit tomorrow. Yeah. So, sir. so just tell yourself, you're going to quit, just quit tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, just keep saying that over and over again. And eventually, like, you'll you'll reap the benefits of that. If yes, you quit, sir. you'll never know what you – I mean, if – you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if I would have quit a long time ago. Right, so, 100%. So, that would probably be my that, – Is that your advice to everybody or that's your advice everybody, to – Everybody, yeah, okay. whatever you're doing. It doesn't have to be the Army. So so to the to the young potential Army recruit, what would you say? They're They're thinking about coming in or they just signed one of the two? Uh, depends on how where they grew up at and how they were raised, but it, it, basic is probably the easiest thing you can do. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not in charge of anything. Your only requirements are to be in the right place at the right time in the right uniform, and just yeah, <laughs> Roger that drill sergeant. That's all you have to do. <laughs> they feed you and everything. <laughs> you do get to sleep, contrary to popular belief. Yeah. So, and it gets easier. The longer you stay in, the easier it typically gets. Dang, that's good advice. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Basic is easy. I was yeah. practicing in the mirror last night. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, if you want to hear more about how to get involved with the U.S. Army, check the uh, links down below in the description. And um, go U.S. Army. AMU, the, the elite shooters of the Army. Do you feel elite? Because you're like elite. Uh, it depends on the day. It depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Dale Brisby. Thanks for listening to the Rodeo Time Podcast, and we are on to the next one.